Welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a little show here on WEHC where we get to sit and catch up with an alum and we can't pretend like we're sitting on the Duck Pond Wall. Kristen, did you ever do that with friends, sit on the Duck Pond Wall and talk to folks? I believe I did. I believe I, everybody did at some point, it yeah. seems like. <laughs> Our guest today is Kristen Colvin, Emory and Henry class of 2009. How are you doing today? I am just fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm, I want to tell everybody I'm bragging about your fancy microphone setup, oh. but it's important that you, that's an important key to who you are these days because you are in fact a vocal artist and we want to talk about that. I'm, I, I'm using the term vocal artist because it makes me sound redneck if I just say you're a singer. You know, <laughs> how do you qualify yourself when you tell people what you do? Oh my lord! Um, this is kind of a complicated answer. Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to. Usually, um, usually I just say I'm a musician or a professional musician because I have taken so many strange gigs over the last few years, um, from singing to playing piano to vocal coaching um, to strange acting gigs. Um, so I kind of use the encompassing term musician to okay. explain what I do. And then, you know, I can go into details when people are interested. But I'm going to, to get people started with who you are, I'm just going to start with the funny story. It's not funny, but it is funny. I'm going to start with the thing that I think is maybe the most unique about something I've heard about your career. Talk to us about singing about grasshoppers. Yes. Locusts. Locusts. Actually. Sorry, locusts. <laughs> yes, locusts. Okay, tell us about friend... it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Jeff to come after us. Um, so... Entomologists can be very yes, snipey. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So I was pretty uh, heavily involved with and still sort of involved with a group of folks from Colorado and Wyoming who mounted a premiere of an opera about the extinction of the Rocky Mountain locust in the early 20th century. Um, so this came about through another weird channel of gigs and knowing people. I had performed in a very small opera festival in Denver, part of a new company that was trying to start out, and I played a shepherd boy <laughs> in this opera. And I got to know the conductor of the chamber orchestra who was a part of this festival. And we talked a little bit back and forth because I had been talking online about my um, trying to find my impetus as a character for doing the things I did and looking into Baroque traditions because it was a handle opera, this sort of thing. And he logged this away and he appreciated this because, you know, you meet a lot of different musicians and coming from different backgrounds and, and something that's always either been a good or bad thing for me as a singer is overthinking certain aspects, either philosophically of the character or the role or overthinking things and technique you know, instead of letting the art fully, you know, come out, there's a time and place. I say this because this is important. So um, he emails me out of the blue, like a year later, says, hey, I know this composer in Wyoming, and I think you would be a really good fit for these projects because I appreciate how thoughtful you are about text. And it was great. And I really liked this guy. And um, we had also done a, a little bit of jazz stuff together previously, too, because he's a percussionist. And so we had a combo. We did a few jazz gigs. Um, so he contacted me not about the Locust, but first about a song cycle that this composer had written about um, based on blog posts. 
Seriously. Yes. And the author, she's really wonderful. I think she lives in Minnesota right now, Hadar Copley Woods. And her sister is a flautist in Chicago, in Colorado. And uh, they all knew each other. So she had written the song cycle and it was funny things like, I really like spinach and here's this <laughs> yoga pose and, and really creative posts. And so I got to come in and interpret that for a recital where um, Libby Larson was visiting as a composer. The, the professor at the university did a song cycle by Libby Larson. I did the song cycle by Ann Guzzo, who is the composer um, on faculty at Wyoming. And it was just a really great time. And a few months later they said, hey, we have more projects <laughs> um we'd really like you to be involved in this premiere so jeff lockwood is an entomologist who works at the university and he's been trying to do interdisciplinary art projects um, because he really thought especially as someone in the life sciences appreciating the soul and the artistic heart behind science was really the key to both survival of both disciplines or for the survival of really well-rounded individuals in these yeah. disciplines and you know he's he writes mystery novels too very creative guy so he had gotten together with Anne to say let's do some projects and after they got some grants locust came about because he is actually this rock star entomologist he was the guy that discovered why the rocky mountain locust went extinct and it was a 25-year project for him he nearly lost all respect to the scientific community he was trying 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 and he found it he found the locust bodies in a glacier way up on a reservation a wind river wind river reservation in wyoming Whoa. and so he has a whole book about it and he wrote this book about his journey just became this hotshot scientist right and so they decided to do an opera about that and I love, can I just laugh at that sentence for a minute? And so they decided to do an opera about that. You know, that doesn't happen every day where no. they say, oh, let's do an opera. This cool entomologist did. Let's do an opera about that. That's really, that is yes. so cool that that is what they did. Right. Yeah. You know, I thought there is a lot of ways they could go about this, but I feel, especially with bugs with insects and and things that fly there's a lot of sound and music that is created and i think that artist soul in him that's so connected thought this needs to live orally somehow yeah and because he had this great relationship with Anne, they decided that they would do this opera together and so basically the tenor is an avatar of jeff <laughs> he is the scientist trying to figure out how this happened and i played so the soprano role was the ghost of the locust so i haunt his dreams and come to him in his dreams to try to give him clues as to how i died so you actually got to play the locust yeah that's yeah. even more fun i'm yeah, loving ghost this of a locust. <laughs> locust ghost i feel like yeah. that's that's the band name that needs to happen yeah that does sound like a good band name mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um yeah and so they asked me you know would you also stage direct there's only three people in this opera. It would be the soprano as a locust, the tenor as a scientist, and a baritone as a rancher who interacts with the scientist when he's awake in mm -hmm. different scenes. Um, and they gave me this, the libretto, which is basically like the script without the music. And she mm -hmm. was working on the music so I could hear little bits of it. And they were going to premiere it um, out in the Tetons. So in Jackson Fine. Hole, uh, when you leave downtown and you're driving up to the National Park, you're going to Teton. And then it's like before you get all the way to Yellowstone, 
there's this little museum on the side of the the highway and it's got this giant um I want to say it's a giant moose statue or an elk I can't remember because there's actually a herd of elk across the street that you can oh, see fun. um and it's a wildlife art museum they do all sorts of wildlife art in different mediums um there so we were going to be putting it on in their basically their conference room auditorium <laughs> Um, but we got to stay in the park. So oh, Anne's fun. partner is a research scientist who spends a lot of time every year up at this research cabin, literally in the middle of the park on the shore of the lake, Teton. Look like the big lake in the middle. So it's about an yeah. hour in and then you're on these windy roads past all like the public camping and you're in this private research cabin. And we're talking cabin, private. Like, cold yeah. water. Yeah. My roommate was a mouse. Like... Very, it was it was great. I loved it. Oh um, wait, wait, wait! So, I feel another opera coming on. My roommate was a mouse. Okay, but go ahead. Yeah, oh, that would totally be great. <laughs> and so it was really great to to be there. And so the chamber orchestra and the singers, we were all in cabins up there. We would drive in for rehearsals. We put on this premiere, and then after that, we've taken it. So we premiered it in Jackson, and then the next spring we took it to Morocco, where we performed it uh, at another a hotel um, auditorium. What's the, what's the connection between Jackson and Morocco? Uh, the uh, it's a, the National Conference for Entomologists, and there were a lot of Very locust cool. swarms that were really really affecting agriculture in North Africa that oh, year and the year before, and I think they're actually still struggling with it. I mean biblical swarms like if you yeah. see the videos um and so there were a lot of exhibits surrounding locusts and we saw and they took us around and we saw it in the basement you know the the hotel place where we were staying so we performed it as the opening night of the conference and then we came back and later that fall we performed it at a theater in laramie which is you know the hometown that's where the university is in wyoming and then we took it to um we were going to be taking it to france in june of 2020. we all know oh, what happened, what in, happened 2020. in 2020 nothing much know. oh not much yeah so unfortunately that fell through but the funding for that was actually funneled into a performance opportunity in scotland which was this last november how was that was that, that fun was that was a lot of fun. We got to perform at St. Andrews at their real, really nice brand new auditorium there. And then we also performed in Glasgow and an old, like literally, I, I want to say four, 15th century church that had been transformed into like a wedding DJ bar space with the wow. cool lights and the rose window and everything. Wow. Um, so because it's a cast of three and the ensemble, ooh, so very small and right. when we went to the other countries we hired local um orchestral musicians and oh, sometimes cool. brought our own pianists uh, every show we did was based off of grant funding um mm. and usually science grants and now, how cool people. is that well science or humanities um but, but still that's that's the kind of crossover that your entomologist friend was hoping would happen though. That's pretty great. Exactly. You know, and they even did surveys. They had paper surveys that he would hand out to participants afterwards. And it was really interesting to see the data because so many people were very skeptical to even go. I'm like, I'm here for my conference. I'm here for my research. Why are they doing an opera? You know, or they have preconceived notions or they really like opera, but they only like traditional grand opera, not mm -hmm. avant-garde chamber opera. <laughs> so it was, it was really great. And just people were always just really appreciative, really loved it, 
like just really well that was going to be my next question was what was the audience response because you know it is very different but but Mm -hmm. it sounds like you had a lot of cool scientists in the crowd who were like this is really fascinating yeah you know and honestly that's the sort of audience i like and that's how over the last five years i have really honed in on what i do artistically because i felt like more at home with this sort of audience. And what I mean by that is an audience that isn't the aficionado. The Uh, audience that uh, either has never seen the art form before, or they have very little familiarity, or they like trying new things, they like 20 different genres of music, or they like theater, so they wanted to give this a try, or they like new works, or- why, Why is that more fun for you to perform for? Um. Well, I feel like number one, it gives me more artistic license because there's not, you know, something I find a lot in the traditional opera world as well. Callus recorded it this way this year. And then after that, it has to be done that way. Right. Or traditionally, Zerlina was always this blah, 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 soprano or blah, 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 you know. And so there's, there's not like, a real rigid set of expectations of what it's going to be and what it's going to sound like. Right. Yeah. And and while I do appreciate that a lot of people in the traditional world do uphold certain standards, I think also gatekeeping comes with it. A lot of gatekeeping. And there's oh, been a lot of meaning, conversation. Meaning it keeps certain people out. Yes. Oh. And it excludes the opinions of people who aren't in a vocal group of tastemakers, for lack of Interesting. a better um, well, so so what you're saying is there's like there in it well in in everything whether it's fashion or music or whatever there are people who get to say this is good and this is not good and this is how it ought to be is that what you're yeah. saying yeah totally you know and that has to do with both again funding for what gets mounted sure what opportunities people have to experience different types of art and and whether or not that art is accessible to people both in terms of where it's being put on, how much it costs, um, if there's a dress code. I mean, I mean, you yeah. can get down to really, really yeah. nitty gritty things when it comes to your performance and how you mount it. Mm-hmm. Really, really says a lot about you and what you think your role of your art is for other people. And so that's over time, I've really started gravitating towards, you know, new works, avant-garde works where it's, there are improvisor- improvisatory scenes in between the pieces or you're in the audience or mm. you're mixing genres. Like that's all I do now, yeah. basically. Are, um, are there a lot of people creating that type of art now? Uh, I know there's a lot of people I have yet to meet. I, I know it's a bigger, it's a bigger scene than you would think, but it's still not, you know, it's not super mainstream. Unless it makes it harder to find, I would guess. You have to kind of. Yeah. How do you, you, how do you, how do you network to find those people? It's hard. You know, um, when I was in Denver, I did a few salon series on my own that I produced out of pocket and it was all song cycles and instrumental pieces by young composers in the area that were college age. And we had people dance to the music. It was in an art gallery and, um, it was supposed to be a thing where it wasn't, you know, a sit down concert, you go and enjoy it. And it was really hard though. It was really hard to connect with the right people, um, but I was lucky enough that after doing a little bit of Opera on Tap, which is an organization across the country where people will have, you know, um, 
a parent group in their city and they pick a bar and the bar has a, an agreement with them where they go and they have like an aria concert in the bar and people come and it's usually free or a donation and all the donations go to helping pay carolers for christmas gigs or something like that i um, love but that it's very i love that and can we level. can we please can we please adapt the word um and call it a baria I don't know how no one's thought of this yet. I can't believe it either, but I love opera on tap and I want to hear your baria. Thank you very much. That's it's what amazing. I sing after I have a couple of beers. I sing a baria. <laughs> That's amazing. I've not thought of that. So I had gone to a few of these performances as part of the organization and I met a few people and they were also singing or working with a small festival little company that was trying to get off the ground. But I found that one of the singers involved actually wanted to be a director, wanted to start her own company, and was really interested in the same stuff. And so it was just kind of chance that we met each other. And if I had not met her, that you know, it's just like kind of like meeting people and trying it out. Yeah. Like I did this experience, it was great, but it's not me. Or I did this experience and I got my paycheck. <laughs> you know, it depends <laughs> on what it is. Or I didn't get a paycheck. You know, uh, which more often than not in these cases is kind of kind of the norm um but you still so have your soul yeah, yeah yeah so it's just it's a matter of trial and error meeting people and and I know that the hotbeds for that sort of thing right now are really Chicago and San Francisco and New York a little bit I know a lot of people are going there to work on on these interesting things but I do see a lot of other festivals around the country are doing new works they're not necessarily doing very small chamber on the move works like I've done in the past, but it seems like there is more of a groundswell for that type of art now. It can be very accessible. You know, I went to grad school with a tenor who became a composer, Griffin Candy, and his stuff is just gorgeous. It's amazing. And it, it's, you feel it. It's not completely out there because that's yeah. what people assume. When you say new music, they assume, oh, if it's classical, it's going to be I'm honking for 10 minutes or something. <laughs> we expect certain things to sound a certain way, which is part of why I was so tickled with the the locust thing. I mean, I don't mean to keep obsessing oh, on no, that, yeah. but I just thought it was such a cool way to tell that story. And it was a reminder that opera doesn't have to be, I mean, let's face it, the, the storylines for most operas are just insane and so this was actually just telling a real story and I thought that was yeah. very cool yeah and I you know and I feel like people will react to that you know there's a time and a place for you know grand convoluted dramas and fun <laughs> I mean why else do people watch reality shows right but right. there is there is a connection and you know it it was really cool too to see how people at the end so um I'm not a dancer, but I will say the way I directed it a lot of this was each character had specific dance-like movements, and most of my character danced the whole way anyway. Because she's um, a ghost. Yeah, and if you've ever watched a video of locusts flying, it's actually really beautiful when they slow it down. It's like this. Oh, it's like sweet. their it's, Yeah, you wouldn't think that. Um, so there's a lot of motion. So I'm running in and out doing this little like dance jump thing, and I leave slowly at the end after he finds out how I died and people were like oh you know it's like so this is what a bug died but people were like oh so sad and he's like that's but you've done it you well, know? that means you've done it that means you have gotten the audience right there with you and they're and suddenly there's I mean that's what you want 
Yeah, you know, and it's a, you know, it's a real story and it's kind of a dry one and people are like, ew, bugs, you know, but uh, the final scene and final aria, the way um, Anne set it up is just very, very touching. And again, you know, there are certain compositional things that we use, like the same notes have been used for thousands of years. Right. They exist, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. We've done everything like you said, but they're there is a confluence of both the knowledge and skill you have at whatever art you have and in her in Anne's case you know the composition making a confluence of both the text and just the heart the heart of it you know mm -hmm. we could all probably write the same chord progression but it's going to come out differently you well know, and part of that's in, in how you express it too and so that says yeah. a lot about you that you were able to get the audience to, to go with you on this journey and to be there in that moment and cry for you when you're a dead a dead insect you know that's kind of huge i want to remind everybody real quickly that we're talking today with Kristen colvin um emory henry class of 2009 she is a musician who does all sorts of things so for the last year and a half i want to say i've been taking orchestral arranging lessons composition oh, lessons what's gonna uh, that was one of my questions was are you are you writing anything yes i've been writing a lot um so 2021 uh the pandemic kind of pushed me in 2020 to finish a project I had been working on, um, an EP of some songs. And we released that and it probably could have sat, I probably could have developed it some more, but it's had really good reception since I released it. But when I released it and I listened to the masters, I thought I wanted to do more with this. And it just so happened that a pianist, um, actually from an Italian death metal band, um put Rock on. Ad, yeah he put an ad on his instagram because the band lost their tour you know they had had to pay the label still i mean the music industry is very predatory so all of them were teaching lessons and he is this he studied film music he writes film scores he's a pianist he does all the orchestrations and so he was giving lessons and so i started taking lessons with him and just mind blown like so i've spent How the last fun. yeah while working on i mean and it feels like even like even songs or poems that are four or five years old i took and we rearranged and i'm actually our drummer did studio sessions this week and our guitarist is next weekend so i'm finishing up all the orchestral stuff here and getting the stems done and then i'm doing my vocal stems but writing all this material and that i think connects for me so many interests that swirl around and have caused me to not say i had this one job i just do all of these right. things right um because it's really hard you know to say oh i don't I'm working two to four jobs any given time, but the composition has been this fire. It has been the thing where I've been like, yes. That's it, interesting. It, yeah, it combines both the art. I get to sing my own stuff. I get to play piano on my yeah. own stuff. You know, I'm, I'm performing, I'm writing. There's that creative control aspect of saying, this is what I intend with this poem because it's my poetry. This is what I intend. I get to put that to voice, right? So it combines a lot of these things for me that I feel like we're being served in other ways. Okay, you totally it. buried the fact that you're also a poet. So you're saying this EP, was, these are all your songs. You've written all these things. Well, and there were some, like I, I did an arrangement mm -hmm. of a Rossini aria and I took a Stephen Crane poem for one. I took a melody from Martin Luther for another song. So it was very much kind of a taste of this is I don't really know how to compose yet but I'm taking these things you know right. or I composed this with my collaborators and we were all new-ish 
to this, you know, and this is what we did. And so kind of moving past that into the next. I, we are completely out of time, but I'm, oh not letting, but I'm not letting you off the hook with that. Two more questions. So first of all, you got it. So what's, so what's coming up? You're working on this new EP, this new version of the CP. Are there other projects coming up that you'd like to talk about or are they all big secrets? Oh, no. Um, so this recording coming out will be in 2023 and it's going to be a full album. Um, I had a consult with a manager a little while back and we talked about doing a slower rollout campaign instead of trickling singles this year. So that'll be next year. And then next year, I'm also um, on the books to do Beethoven's Mass in C with the Boulder Chamber Orchestra and also doing a recital of Hildegard at the Basilica in Denver. Those are huge. Both of those yeah. are huge. With the with the op, that is with the symphony. That is amazing. How exciting! Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I did a requiem with them this last April, um, right before we moved east, and um, it was again, it was a newer work. It was a contemporary piece, and it was a lot of fun. And so the conductor asked me to come back and do Beethoven. Um, so I'll be looking at that, and then we'll see what else pops up. The arts world is still kind of in a weird flux. So the last thing I like to ask is, well, first of all, what was your major at Emory Henry? Did you major in music? Yeah, I was a vocal and piano performance major and a creative writing minor. There's your poetry. Okay. So were there moments at Emory and Henry that, that led you to think, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to, I'm going to do this professionally. Or did you just always know that? Oof, that's kind of hard to say. When I was younger, I always knew I wanted to do something musical. But when I left school, I actually did not do music for three years. What'd you do? I quit. I went to grad school briefly for women's and gender studies. Nice. And I didn't finish that degree. I worked a bit in academia, actually. I worked at some universities and uh, my husband saw how I was when we went to jazz gigs and got me this keyboard actually and said, you need to you need to do music again. And, um, and so I started performing again. And it was great because then I was reaching back into all the books I had carried across the country with me because I, I think there was a small part of me that still knew because even when I was in women's and gender studies, I wanted to study the gendered ideas of certain types of music. Interesting. And so that's what I, I wanted to focus on. And yeah. so the focus was kind of always there in a very interdisciplinary way, which I think is, is very important both to me and I think to Emery's ethos in general. It's funny. You're like the queen of interdisciplinary. <laughs> try i mean um, really I, yeah. and i think I, I should tell you too that the, the 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 show that you did about the locust i heard about that not just from lisa withers in the music department i heard about it from laura hainsworth in the chemistry yes. department so you know from environmental studies and so i just thought that was so neat that it again did exactly what your friend had in mind but but yeah. you are you are the interdisciplinary person yeah, you know, it, that's what fits. I made that decision and I made that leap. And I even remember emailing Lisa Withers and calling her and talking to her when I got into grad school for voice because I was going to be teaching music lessons. And so I was looking through my rep and trying to find stuff for, you know, pianists at different levels. And it was just really great to connect again and say, oh, yeah, this is this is what I'm doing. Nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Kristen Colvin, we are so out of time. Yes. You know, I know it's funny. I just laughed. I'm laughing because I said, oh, I'm not a good editor and we're going to have to do some editing. But what am I going to cut out? Everything you said was great. So thank you so much for sharing with us. And um, if we want to follow you, we should follow. I share a lot of my artistic projects through my business, Toxoplasma Arts. Are you saying Toxoplasma, like toxic but blood? Toxoplasma. Well, 
it so the title i'm a crazy cat lady um it's toxoplasmosis gondii is the parasite that can be found in like cats leavings um and there's a scientist i think in sweden who is dead convinced that through this parasite his cat is controlling his brain i saw something about that yeah, yeah and they I, think this is how they get like humans to like do their bidding it's just yeah. weird parasite yeah and i really really love cats and so <laughs> named my business toxoplasma arts so i i put up videos i have videos of my locust work of my work with the requiem i'll put the classical calendar on there my web work my design um recording sessions my recording work it's all linked um through toxoplasma arts that's hilarious by the way how yeah. many cats do you have just the one that <gasps> she's the queen of my life but that's not a crazy cat lady you're supposed to have 12. Well, crazy as in I would literally do anything. I got you. Her. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling. All right, that's good. So for instance, if we have friends who are in the Denver area who might like to come and support and see you and hear you. So do you know when the when, what the date is for your performance in with, with the is it the Denver yeah. Boulder Symphony? Boulder, the Boulder Symphony. so yeah. the Boulder Chamber Orchestra um is putting on the Beethoven Mass, and that's going to be April 1st, I believe in boulder and then a few weeks before that i'm doing the recital mainly hildegard i need to look at some other stuff and talk to the music director because i used to work at the basilica in downtown denver and i think that's i want to say march 26th okay and that's in 2023 yes that's all right so kristen colvin we're going to wrap up with you and say thank you so much this is fascinating and i i'm particularly excited to hear you talk about these these well, the connections, because that is really cool, too, but also just the, the way you managed to, to blend together so many interesting worlds through music. I just think that's fascinating. So thank you yeah, for sharing that with you're us. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up and say thanks, and we can't wait to hear what comes next from you. And thank everybody for being with us on the Duck Pond Walls today. And, and thanks for listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Mm -hmm.